Hey there, friends. You're listening to Chatology with Angie Elkins, and today we're having conversations that matter. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Chatology. I'm your host, Angie Elkins. I am so glad you are here today for my conversation with Felicia Masonheimer. I have not actually met Felicia until we recorded this interview. You will hear as we talk about it, but Felicia is one of those people that I've seen online for years. She is a theologian. She's a writer. She is a speaker. She's a mom. I love how she combines theology with motherhood. It's a really unique kind of flair. And I'm so glad that you guys get to hear this conversation. One of the reasons I wanted to talk to Felicia though, is because she's a boss. And I know as we are moving into 2022, many of us have goals that we want to reach. Some of them are professional. A lot of them are personal, but Felicia is one of those people who as watching from afar, she just sets a goal She decides she wants to do something and she just goes for it. And so I chose her to be on Chatology this month because she inspires me and I know she's going to inspire you as well. Okay, guys, I'm excited for this conversation with Felicia Masonheimer. Before we jump in, I also want to let you know if one of your dreams, if one of your goals is to start a podcast, I want you to know that I'm here for you. I have created a course that you can take by clicking the link in the show notes, and you can start your own show. I take you from the very beginning of having no knowledge of anything about podcasts. I'm telling you, this is Podcasting 101 for Beginners. I tell you how to do it, how to begin, how to launch it, how to get it on to all the podcast directories, best practices, what gear to buy, all of those things. So I would love for you to take the course now. There is a link in the show notes where you can grab it. I would love to be the one that walks you through this process. As a bonus, if you buy the course in January, you get one free hour consultation with me where I will walk you through step-by-step any questions that you may have after you've completed the course. Okay, friends, I want you to check that out. And now I want you to enjoy this conversation with Felicia Masonheimer. Felicia Masonheimer, welcome to Chatology. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to finally meet you. (laughs) I do feel like we, this has been a long time coming in our meeting because we have mutual friends as we've already discussed. So thankful, thankful to have you here. Um, Would you mind telling everybody a little bit about like, where are you right now? Where are you recording from? I'm recording from Northern Michigan. So most people, when they think of Michigan, think of Detroit, but that's five hours south of where we are. We're about two hours south of the Northern Ontario border. So Mm. um, what I learned only last year is that we live further north than 80% of Canadians. So we are, yeah, we are up here, but we love it and it's awesome. So yep, Northern Michigan. So it feels kind of weird to talk about the weather on a podcast, but I need you to know that I'm in Orlando (laughs) where it will be 85 degrees today. What is it like there? My word. Well, it's actually very warm right now, a very balmy, like 57 degrees. That's uh, (laughs) ridiculous. It's, it was, um, 18 a week ago. Um, and then of course with wind chill, it feels more like 12, 10, but yeah, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? 56 to me sounds like total 100% full on Christmas time. Like I would love <laughs> it if it were 56 here. <laughs> but um, anyway, as you can see, I'm still wearing a flannel. I still got my tree up. So, and, and all of you are appreciating this because this actually airs in January. So <laughs> anyway, welcome. So there's so much I could talk to you about, Felicia. I just think you are one of the most interesting people out there on the internet. And I love all that you do. You're a, a podcaster, a writer, um, a theologian. Well, and we're going to talk about this. Every woman is a theologian. I love mm-hmm. that's your slogan. So let's talk just a little bit about theology. How did you first, or when did you first realize that you loved learning about the Bible in a deeper way uh, beyond just reading it? I think it did start when I was pretty young. I would probably say around 17. I came to Christ when I was 15. I had Christian parents who were pretty intentional, um, not just in discipling us, but they also were really good at connecting our faith to what was going on in the culture at the time and kind of discerning through applied, basically applied theology, though they didn't call it that. And then when I was 17, I had a friend an older friend who was exploring atheism and he had been raised in a Christian home. And so I began reading the same books he was reading just to kind of get an idea of what was the draw, what was so interesting about atheism to him. And then comparing what I read in some of these famous books by Richard Dawkins and, um, Christopher Hitchens and other famous atheists, comparing what I was reading to what I knew from scripture. And so that was just something I did just out of curiosity in my late teens. I ended up eventually going to school for religion and getting a degree in religion. Again, just something that I found interesting and I happened to be privileged to work for a university. So I got my degree for free. I didn't have to worry Mm -hmm. about, you know, using it necessarily. And then eventually um, through my writing, and I was writing for fun about these things, it eventually became the ministry and business that is Every Woman a Theologian today. So mm-hmm. I've always had an interest in, in helping make a connection between the truths of scripture and the life we live. And when yeah. we look at history and we look at theology through the lens of the Bible, of course, we see just how practical it is. Yeah, I love that. Um, and when you talk about applied theology and your parents were really doing that when, without even knowing, how have you been intentional as you were raising your kids to apply kind of what we're, what we believe and what we believe the Bible teaches to our current culture with them? And how old are they, by the way? Well, they're very young. So I'm just starting out with this. They're six, four, and one. But even at six and four, you know, they're looking out at the world. They're watching little TV shows and they have questions about what does it Mm -hmm. mean for, you know, for God to exist or Jesus to exist? And how does that interact with what I'm seeing in the world? And so at this age, we keep that very simple. Um, My friend, Ryan Coatney, who I co-host a podcast with about discipleship of children, talks about how really everything a child needs to know in a Christian home comes from Genesis one through three for the first Mm -hmm. like nine years of their life. It's just over and over and over teaching them that foundation. And then as they get old, Older, we then introduce like the alternative views thing 
things like atheism and other religions mm -hmm. and things like that. Right now, we're just building that foundation of this is who you are. This is who God is. Mm -hmm. This is who other humans are. And this is how we treat them. So that may sound so simplified to some of you listening that Genesis 1 through 3 could have so much of that there, but it it is so jam-packed with theology. It's mm -hmm. pretty amazing. It, it really does tell us who we are, who God is, first and foremost, who God is, and then who we are in relation to him. And so I think that's so cool. I, I don't know that I've ever heard it put that way, but I love that. Um, tell me something cool you've learned lately. Like as you've studied and you are like, I, one of the things I love about theology is that I'm constantly, obviously, learning more and more and, and just finding out new things about yeah. God. And I will tell you, um, just recently, we at Simple Seminary, we did a deep dive with Christy McClelland on Hanukkah and mm -hmm. just the story of Hanukkah. And then we kind of walked through light in sort of a biblical theology way and mm -hmm. what fire and light and the presence of God and how they're all connected throughout the Bible. So like just things like that blowing my mind. Tell me what you're learning mm -hmm. that you're loving right now. Well, I am doing an Advent study by Ann Voskamp right now for mm. Christmas. And uh, it's very simple, but I love it because she's going through the entire Bible leading up to Jesus' birth. So she's going through each day is kind of taking you through a different story in the Old Testament in her characteristic, mm. very poetic, beautiful writing. Yeah. And one of the stories that I just loved how she described it was um, Rahab and the 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 significance of the scarlet thread that was hung in the window mm. for Rahab and her rescue and that what saved Rahab it wasn't it didn't matter who Rahab was or what she had done it mattered that she put faith in the Lord and that she was willing to partner with him and through that her she became part of the line of Jesus and that's mm. just she, she, in her poetic way, united the scarlet thread to the scarlet thread that is Jesus' genealogy. And I thought that was really cool. I love that. That's, yeah, it, it gives me chills when I hear things like that. Because, you know, the Word of God is so compelling and interesting on its own, just as a read, right? Mm -hmm. But as you dive deeper in and go into the layers, it's just absolutely mind-boggling at how God put it together and how we'll never finish it, right? There's just so mm -hmm. much to know and so much to learn. Um, I mentioned that I live in Orlando and we go to Disney all the time because it's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> so we often laugh about how we'll never finish Disney. Like we'll never finish mm. it. They're, they're always adding to it and, and creating more. And it's, there's always something you haven't seen. But I feel that, that God's word is similar in that there's always more to discover and more to uncover and more to learn. We will never finish it. Right. Never. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's pretty neat. Um, so tell me a little bit more about every woman, a theologian, just, I, I know you mentioned how it kind of came to be, but I'd love to hear your focus and your passion mm -hmm. around it. Yeah. So years ago, all I was was a blogger who liked to write about how the Bible applied to life. Yeah. And I did it for fun because I had a full-time job. And then when yeah. I quit my full-time job to stay home with my oldest daughter, which was not my original plan, um, I really just didn't have 
anything else to do. And so I was able to devote more time to writing on those topics. And I was a guest writer for another website. So I was writing a lot of content on this topic. And and again, I had my degree to work from. So that was helping me a lot in the process. But as time went on, um, slowly I began to realize that, you know, there's a cost to running a website. There's a cost mm-hmm. to producing resources. And so I started creating eBooks just that I could sell without having to ship anything through my mm-hmm. website. And as time went on, they just grew. And this was about four years ago. We ended up hiring on one of my high school friends who is our graphic designer, a creative director, website manager. Um, and now we have a team of, I think, six people who help run Every Woman a Theologian, which is ministry and business. So our shop where we sell our products supports the ministry. So we actually don't take donations of any kind. Um, We just support the ministry through our products, eBooks, and resources. And we have a lot of free resources too, through the podcast, um, through PDFs that we create and just drop to our audience, and then 500 blog posts on the website. Yeah. I I just visited your website and read through some of your blog posts and you had a recent post where you talked about some of your favorite reads from 2021. And I was, I, you know, looked through them and I thought, oh my goodness, we read so many of the same books in 2021. I love it. Um, and I will link to that in the show notes if you guys want to check out that blog post because, um, some fantastic recommendations there for sure. And I, I read through some of your reviews on some of the books that I read and I was like, oh, this is so good. It kind of makes me want to read the book again. You know, I um, love books. It's a bit of a problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I love that you are such a, a avid reader. I think that's so cool. Um, so tell me kind of, uh, let's talk a little bit about productivity because mm-hmm. you do a lot of things and you have a lot of different Uh, things going. You're a writer, you're a podcaster, you're a mom. And I think a lot of people listening and obviously a wife um, are are thinking, man, I wish I could do some of the things like, like you said, you're, you were just writing for fun Mm -hmm. and then eventually made it your job. So Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear some advice from you for someone listening Mm -hmm. who may be thinking, you know, 2022, I'd really like to move in that direction. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you, where would you start? And then maybe we'll talk about some productivity hacks. Yeah. So for someone, obviously fiction writing is very different from nonfiction writing. So I can't speak to that. If someone yeah. is interested in in doing Christian nonfiction or ministry type writing, um, let me explain why it was important to me to be a business and not a nonprofit. A lot of yeah, ministries are nonprofits. That. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's fantastic. But I have met a lot of people in ministry whose greatest stressor is the fact that they cannot fund the ministry. And they're constantly just so burdened by that aspect of the ministry. Mm-hmm. And so by creating a business that supports the ministry side of what we do, we're able to support our vendors who um, are 
all either small family-owned businesses or ethical businesses that are employing families. And we've also been able to have a lot more freedom in creating these free resources. So I say that because if someone's looking to, to make money, especially in a way that's related to scripture, I had to really wrestle through that the ethics of that and to what degree it's okay to be making money on the gospel because that's what it felt like to me at first. And so what I've had to come to the conclusion is um, it's not wrong to be rewarded for your work. It takes hours of work to create the things that we create at Every Woman a Theologian, but it is what you do with it. And so Mm. when you're thinking about, I want to turn this into a business, I want to write, you know, or get a book out there, I I would just really encourage taking the time to pray and narrow down exactly why you want to do that. What is your Mm. goal? And if it happens, what are you going to do with the platform and the money that is brought in? Because we have to sit down every quarter and we decide, you know, um, we have to pay our staff, we have to, you know, cover our costs, and then we want to be generous givers because of the fact that it's a business and not a nonprofit that's really important. Mm. So I would just encourage asking those questions and really, you know, I think there's a lot of people today who want platform, but they don't understand the responsibility and the weight that comes with that. Mm. Um, there's also a lot of people who want to say things, but they don't want to learn things and be teachable. <laughs> and I think those are things that have to be really considered. Practically speaking, though, I would give three steps. Number one, know your niche. You have to have a niche. You have to figure Mm. out where your area of expertise is or what particular angle you want to take. It's a very loud world. Everyone's talking. You need to be known for something. Mm. And I have a bit of an advantage that I've been doing this for 10 years. So people came to me for a reason. I built a reputation in a niche. Initially, it was Christian sexuality, and then eventually was able to expand to something as broad as theology. But right now, if you're starting out, I think you'd have to be extremely specific and stick to that specific area for a while so that people know what they're getting with you. The -hmm. second thing I would say is know who you're talking to. Who is your ideal reader or audience? Who is your book for? Who is your website for? And write to that person. Even give them a name, an age, an ethnicity, whatever that will shape their view of what you're writing so that you know who you're writing to. So if you have a niche in your person, then I would say it comes down to just being consistent and showing Mm. up. And that's the hard part. <laughs> it is. It it really is. I mean, half of half of it feels like it's just showing up, right? And mm-hmm. and doing it. Um, I totally get that. When I started podcasting almost five years ago now, I can't believe it. But I remember hearing like that was a piece of advice I got from the very beginning. Consistency is key. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. will not be successful if you're not consistent in what you're that's doing. True. I mean yep parenting, right? I mean, that's, that's the advice for parenting as well. Consistency in your Mm -hmm. parenting. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a key to life really in general, Mm -hmm. but I love that. Um, I, uh, there's so many things swirling around in my head right now, as you were talking, I, I, I love hearing how we built women build their businesses and, you know, that, that whole, um, idea of feeling like it's wrong to make money from the gospel it's a real challenge. You know, Um, I think a lot of us encounter when we're asked to come do what we're good at or whatever at a church or at a nonprofit 
often they expect us to just serve the gospel and do it for free. But my husband's actually a pastor on staff at a church where he earns a paycheck Mm -hmm. to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we think, I don't know, it's like as women, I think we give ourselves a different category or something because, well, he's actually employed by a nonprofit. So of course he should get a paycheck. But when we're doing that kind of work, even for a nonprofit, you know, not for a nonprofit, even for our own business, we should be able to earn a paycheck. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's, it is, it's a tricky thing to navigate, but um, a lot of us struggle, I think (laughs) when it comes to that, for sure. Um, So tell me about like all that you juggle. How do you, how do you do it? Like, tell me what your day looks like. I'd love to hear a day in the life of Felicia. Well, it's funny you ask because today's Thursday and Thursdays on Instagram, I do a day in the life. I I show what I do throughout the day. So every Thursday, every Thursday on Instagram, everybody partially to show. Well, first of all, I love when people do that. I think it's the most fun thing in the world to see like, oh, wow, that's how they, you know, handle what they do and how their day goes. Mm -hmm. Um, First thing is with the business, again, we have six team members. So that's important. I think people sometimes forget that it's not, it would not be possible for me to run an entire shop and a blog and a podcast without an editor and designer, you know, so we have people who are doing that. My husband came home a year ago to be our chief operating officer. So he handles all of the shipping and he's now home. So we trade on and off. I homeschool and run the house in the mornings. So basically all their basic home management tasks, laundry, cleaning, meals, et cetera, and homeschooling. And then in the afternoons we switch. So he's with the kids now answering emails and watching them in the living room while they play. And, and then in the evening we cut off our work time and we just rest, have people over, go out, whatever. So as far as managing time, goes. I think the biggest thing I do that might be, I don't know, different because I am home. I'm not usually away from the home. I don't, I'm pretty strict with scrolling social media. If I'm not posting, I'm not on there or I try not to be on there. I try not to answer my email unless I'm sitting down at the computer. I don't watch TV in the day. Mm. Um, You know, those are things that I learned very early our complete time sucks. So yeah. I've got to cut those out. I've got to, and I'm always looking, where am I wasting time mm-hmm. and how could I steward this better and sit down and assess that on Sundays and look at the week before. And then Josh and I sit down and look at the week ahead and we go, okay, here are our appointments, our commitments, and we make a plan together for how to um, work through that week. But it really comes down to a lot of, of what I'd say is like learning self-control and mm-hmm. um, learning your own patterns of behavior and then troubleshooting those. What's your Enneagram type? I am a three. I don't okay. love the Enneagram though, because I think when people <laughs> hear it, they say, oh, well, that's that's why you're the way you are. And I think that's mm-hmm. an excuse. I think mm-hmm. that it's it can be an excuse to not change and grow. Um, Mm -hmm. I had to learn what I do now. I had to train myself. I am by nature a procrastinator. I'm by nature someone who wants to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't think 
I think that it can be helpful to know for communication reasons, you know, personality things. But but if someone says, oh, well, of course you're the way you are. It's because you're a three. That basically writes off all the work I've had to do to get to where I am and to learn yeah, how to manage all of this. Um, and it's possible. It's possible for every personality to mm-hmm. learn how to be self-controlled and discipline themselves. Yeah. It'll just look a little different case by case. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I'm an Enneagram eight. So we tend to have a lot of capacity and mm-hmm. energy and get a lot of things done. But saying I have had to learn how to get to where I am and I've had to be completely disciplined in it and hold myself to a standard and do things when I don't want to do them and all the things mm-hmm. that come when you mature, right? Mm-hmm. When, as you grow. But I think it helps also to just be doing something I love. Yeah. Um, I, you know, when, when I was, you know, punching a clock and, uh, you know, working as an assistant in a preschool, which was totally not where I needed to be. <laughs> I was like watching the clock is 11 o'clock too early to have lunch. You know, but, you know, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but when you find something that you love and you're into it, you know, time just absolutely flies by and there's like this inner drive to want to get it done that mm-hmm. isn't there when you're not doing things you don't love, you know, at least for mm-hmm. me, that's how it works. Yeah. I think too, to add on to that, there is an element of, of learning to take joy in the things that aren't mm-hmm. your passion because what I hear from my followers is, you know, I'm splitting, I'm, I'm trying to run a full-time career on 20 hours a week. That's about the best I can do. Mm-hmm. And the other rest of my hours are spent with my children homeschooling. And I plan to do that until they graduate. So mm-hmm. there, what I often hear from women is, you know, well, I don't, I don't like that part of, you know, I don't, mm-hmm. I just, I want to get to my work. That's the fun part. And that's where I think we just have to be so careful and in yes, like teaching theology brings me life and brings me joy, but I also have to be able to find joy in doing laundry and cooking meals mm-hmm. and disciplining my little children. And by disciplining, I mean, discipling and teaching my little children. And if I can't mm-hmm. find joy there and where God has called me to be, then I have no business going out and teaching theology because I'm mm-hmm. not stewarding the calling that I have my primary calling, which right now is my children. And mm. I do think there's an element of a lot of women are really drawn to ministry or to doing something else because it feels like their life in the home is brainless or isn't challenging. Yeah. But yeah. it can't, you can make it challenging. You can get better. You can be excellent at your home and find fulfillment there. And then you'll also mm-hmm. bring excellence to everything else you do. Obviously, I'm very passionate about that. But I, I, know, I really think I that. that women will feel more satisfied in any area that God has them, even if they're waiting for the day they get to do their passion mm-hmm. project or business. I love that. I am just having a memory. I can remember, you know, changing a diaper and having a friend over standing at the changing table, changing the diaper. And it does, it, it is that feeling of like, this is so mundane. Mm-hmm. You know, I can remember the day that the entire top drawer or top shelf of the dishwasher was full of sippy cups, cups and bottles. (laughs) Bottles. That's all that was there. Sippy cups and bottles. But I remember looking at that friend changing the diaper and just looking at her and saying, you don't have a master's degree. (laughs) 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 It just feels like, why did I do all of that? Because I'm doing this. But it is, it is such a, it's almost a hidden calling. It, it, you have to kind of uncover it and discover it and find the beauty and the joy in it. And 
you know, my husband, as I mentioned, is not a pastor. And Mm -hmm. I can remember when my daughter, who is 19 now, was about nine months old, sitting Mm -hmm. in that little bouncy seat. And it was a Sunday morning. My husband was gone. He would leave early. He's a worship pastor. Mm -hmm. So he would have to get up and leave early. But I was sitting there. And of course, my morning was completely timed out so that I could shower, get the kids ready, put them immediately in their car seat without anybody having a dirty diaper so we can get to church, drop them off. You know, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. like everyone listening knows this. And I was, I remember feeding her and just feeling a little bit jealous that my husband got to get up early and he could even drive through Starbucks if he wanted and then go to work, you know, and just feeling almost a little, maybe even resentment. Mm-hmm. And I felt like God said to me in that moment, as I was, as I was feeding her and I could see her, I can still see her little baby face. Mm. He just said to me, this is your act of worship. This Mm. right here. This is it. Mm. That's his and this is yours. And neither of them is better than the other. Mm -hmm. Um, They are both sacrifices for me. Yeah. And I think kind of discovering and having that moment with the Lord right then really helped me to kind of spark that joy. Like you said, Mm -hmm. we've got to find joy in what we're doing. Um, was there a moment or a story like that for you when you just had a realization, this is what it's about? I think, so when I left my job, so before I had Adeline, my oldest, Mm -hmm. um, I had a job as basically an academic advisor and I loved it. I traveled the nation. I spoke at conferences. I absolutely loved my job. Yeah. And I thought that like, this was where God was going to have me. They, this was long before COVID. They had approved it as a remote position, which was super hard to do. There were like only five other remote positions in the entire university of thousands of employees. And so I was super stoked. And then right before we left, um, some things changed and we found out I had, I was like, I just, I can't do it. I have to leave. And so I moved to a new state at 37 weeks pregnant, had my daughter five days later, and I had quit the job I'd had for five years. And I'd been working for working full time for seven or eight years at that point. And so everything was over like at at the same time. And I remember feeling very like, first of all, I I don't even know what to do with myself. I felt I had never had so much time on my hands. And I know some people feel like newborns like are really demanding, but for me, having been at work every day, you know, for like eight years, I was like, I'm home all the time. And she naps like all the time. So like, what do I do? I'm not in school. I'm not working. Like, and that was a moment where I realized how much of my identity was in what I did and in my work. Mm -hmm. And the Lord through our church at the time, the women in that church really met me there. Mm -hmm. And the leaders in my church actually even prayed over me and, um, discipled me into recognizing like you have put so much into work that you literally believe that your value is tied to producing something. Mm -hmm. And right now it doesn't look like you're producing a whole lot. And they were the ones that really, I think, transformed my view. And thankfully it happened early with my first baby Mm -hmm. and God's been able to build on that since then. That's so good. That's so good. 
I know we're almost out of time, but I do want to talk about your newest book, The Flirtation Experiment, a little bit. Um, this is such a fun book about, well, really marriage. And the, the subtitle is Putting Magic, Mystery, and Spark into Your Everyday Marriage. Can you tell me kind of why did you decide this is the book I want to write now? This is it. So this book is a little, you know, outside of our, my normal um, area of writing. Um, And it is co-authored. So that's a part of it too, is I was writing it with another, um, a friend of mine who has a marriage ministry, but a big part of why um, we decided to write this now was because of our own, our own experiences, first of all, with just like coexisting and being coworkers with our spouse and losing some of the oh, fun sure. of I'm marriage. Yeah. yeah. And also each chapter starts with like our experience and what we did and then a teaching from scripture. And then it ends with, uh, you know, suggestions for your own flirtation experiment that you can adapt and customize. <laughs> but when I did this actual experiment that the book is based on, it was at a point in my marriage where we were functioning decently well, but I just wondered, you know, is this all God has for my marriage? Mm. Like it feels kind of bland or it feels kind of Mm. a little distant or just not as fun as Mm. it could be. And studying Song of Solomon is what actually made me realize, because the the book is not about sex, by the way, it's just about your relationship in general. Um, And Song of Solomon really made me see God's heart for women, wives, to be confident, to be able to pursue, to feel confident in themselves towards their husband, Mm -hmm. to be able to express attraction, to express um, with their words verbally towards their husband. I think there's just a lot of shame and embarrassment for women Mm -hmm. around that. And the secular world talks about being more confident or pursuing, but Christian women, I think, feel a lot of hesitation there. At least I did. And so Mm -hmm. this experiment helped me kind of break that coming from a scriptural perspective. And so it's a very quick read, but we tried to bring in scripture, giving a picture of how fun and sweet and pursuing Mm -hmm. our God is. I think we Mm -hmm. forget about that. And that's the basis of our own relationships with our spouses. I think that's so neat. I'm going to link to it in the show notes for all of you listening. If you want to grab a copy of it, it's, it's a really fun little book. I think you're going to love it. Um, Well, Felicia, I hate it. We're out of time, but this has been just a great conversation. Um, And I love meeting you and getting to know you and hearing all that God's doing in your ministry. So thank you. Thank you. I so appreciate getting to join you. Chatology has been a production of Angie Elkins Media. Show notes and production help from Jill Pierce. Music by the maestro himself, Robert Elkins. Thank you guys for listening. And remember, share Chatology with your friends and family and start a conversation that matters.